All right, Braves fans, let's get rolling. This is State of the Braves. I'm George McNair, and it is really good to be back with you guys, as usual. Uh, it's good to be back with you, despite the Braves in a little bit of a rocky stretch. Uh, the uh, you know Max Fried comes back uh, about five games ago. He goes up against the Cubs and looks absolutely unbelievable. The Braves win that game eight to nothing. All is right with the world. And then the last four starts for the Braves have just been absolute stinkers i mean no one has pitched well uh since freed pitched six innings of shutout baseball in his return uh, and freed will be pitching tonight uh we are hoping for good things again from him and maybe he can right the ship it's it seems a little unfair to be asking him to do that uh, as he has just come back from a long sustained um time on the shelf but that is what we're asking and and he is our ace so hopefully he will do that uh, one little piece of Braves news that I want to cover before I start diving into uh, the struggles of the starting staff, and that is Ronald Acuna. You might have noticed in last night's game, he has to come out of the game uh, about midway through after he was hit by a 97-mile-an-hour fastball uh, to the elbow. Now, it looked like the ball was right on the edge of his elbow pad, but it might have got some of that elbow flush, I don't know. It's kind of hard to see, but nonetheless, he had to be in some pain because he came out of the game. They had to do x-rays. Very fortunate that the x-rays came back negative. So I don't know if Ronald is going to be in, uh, the, in, the, um, on, in the starting lineup tonight. Uh, I would not be shocked if he is. Uh, he just, I know, hates to be out ever since his uh, knee injury. I know it pains him to miss any time, and he hasn't missed a game all year this year. So um, hopefully he's good to go tonight, but we'll obviously, we will have to see about that. But yeah, after Max Freed returns from injury, you know, he gives us six amazing innings in Chicago, just looked as, as sharp as you could ever dream anyone could look after being on the shelf for two plus months. Um, but the, the other four starters for the Braves just all laid eggs big time this week and I think they all would admit that I mean you can't really run away from it and and they don't run away from it to their credit uh, but it's been a frustrating week of baseball uh, it's you just have to constantly remind yourself as a Braves fan we're okay we're in first place we have the best record in baseball just keep repeating that to yourself over and over again um, and certainly as you win the the sting I think the sting of losses is actually greater when you lose less because you're not as used to it, especially in the fashion the Braves have been losing in this last week. Uh, but, you know, of course, they come back in this last game and and win it in the ninth against one of the best closers in baseball, off David Bednar, and you give them tremendous credit. Uh, the problem has certainly not been the offense at any point this season. It's not the problem right now, and it's really not the bullpen either. The bullpen, if you look over these last several games has been quite good. They've, you know, because the starters have not been good and gone out of the game early, we've really had to lean on the bullpen and, you know, covering four or five innings every game and maybe only allowing a run. I mean, that's, uh, you know, one run per game. That's pretty good. Uh, so the starting staff has to really take it on their shoulders of the, uh, the primary responsibility of some of this, uh, this rough stretch for, the Braves. But when Max Free did come back, uh, if we, if any of us forgot, he reminded us very quickly of how good he is. Um, 
and uh, it was awesome to see him. So game one of the Cubs series, the Braves show up in Wrigley Field, which, by the way, I never feel like the Braves play super great at Wrigley. I don't know if that's just um, my, you know, my thought on it or if it's accurate, but uh, they did win in this one. They win eight to nothing. They cruised. Max Fried goes six innings, no earned runs, only gives up three hits and strikes out eight. In, and he does so in only 72 pitches. You know, if this was normal Max Freed in the middle of the season and totally healthy and, go, you know, pitching 100-plus pitches, he might have gone a complete game in this one. He was he was going that well. Just it is amazing how incredibly sharp he looked coming off of that long layoff. His fastball slider combination, the deception there was unbelievable. You might have seen, if you are on social media at all, there have been some video where you know his fastball and slider are on the exact same plane for about two-thirds of the way to the plate, and then that slider just drops, and obviously the fastball doesn't. I mean, it would be impossible as a hitter. If he keeps that plane, uh, it's it's impossible for a hitter uh, to hit Max Freed. Um, but he was incredibly good in this one, and hopefully he continues to show that moving forward. Uh, Sean Murphy, Ozuna, and Riley all hit home runs in this one. So the Braves cruised pretty easily, obviously, in this 8 to nothing win. Unfortunately, that was going to be uh, the best part of this series in Game 2. The Cubs won 8-6, to six, and it really, they really weren't in the game much in this one. The Cubs score 5 off of Bryce Elder in the first inning. Braves are not used to getting beaten up in the first inning. Usually, it's the other way around. Uh, Elder only went four and a third innings, seven hits, seven runs. Five of them were earned. He gave up two home runs. And we know that when Bryce Elder is not sharp, uh, it can get ugly. And that was the case in this one. Uh, it seemed like in that first inning, uh, he could have gotten out of it a couple times. A couple calls didn't go his way. Um, a couple at bats were, were lengthened with some foul balls. And then uh, just, you know, obviously it went downhill from there. Uh, base running and defense were also really ugly in this game um, where it felt like the Braves maybe could have done some things if they'd played a really sharp game. Maybe they could have won this one. Uh, there was a costly error really early on from Olsen uh, that could have been a double play or a play at the plate, and he just um, just went under his glove. Rosario had a weird base running play in this one where it was two outs and and the ball got by an outfielder and he just stopped at second and he couldn't score on that. So, you know, just some sloppy stuff. There was a, I think it was in the third game. You also had a, a base running blunder from Arcia. So it just looked like they were not in it. And I'm sure Snicker wasn't really pleased with um, how, how loose the Braves played in this series. You did have Albies and Matt Olson homering in this one. Uh, Olson has been offensively on a tear um, and, you know, he, he has certainly not been the problem over, over this stretch by any means, as really none of the offense has been the issue. Uh, in game three against the Cubs, Cubs win six to four. Charlie, Charlie Morton, this was his turn to have a bad start. He exited early. Uh, he really has not been able to throw strikes much at all as his command has, has left him in his last several starts. And I know he's working hard to get that back. He only went four and a third innings, five earned runs, four hits, and four walks in this one. And Holson, uh, Ol Olson homered and drove in three in this game, uh, drove in three of the, the four Braves runs. Um, 
the wind was blowing in, I think, pretty much all three games in Chicago. I was hoping it was going to blow out and we'd see more home runs, but uh, not the case. It was kind of a stormy, uh, windy time, uh, all three games for the Braves. So they move on, you know, kind of look their wounds a little bit. You feel like we're playing the Pirates. We ought to be able to go and take uh, game one very easily because the matchup on paper was all Braves. You had Strider going against a young pitcher who had struggled a lot this season, and it was actually Strider who struggled a lot in this one. Uh, he Strider was going great through the first two innings, really. Uh, even Jeff Francoeur made this comment that he thought Strider was going to strike out 14 in the game because he looked so sharp early, early on. Um, maybe Francoeur shouldn't have, shouldn't have said that out loud, but uh, Strider comes out in the third inning and just can't get out of it. He only goes two and two-thirds innings. Six earned runs, five hits, three walks, and only three strikeouts. Um, and man, Strider, it's like when he doesn't have it, he he doesn't get lucky uh, with batted balls in play, and um, and he he tends to get hit hard when he doesn't locate. And and that's been something a little weird and a little new this year compared to last year. Uh, if you look on, you know, some of his FanGraphs stuff. Uh, his hard hit rate has gone way up. Uh, the barrel rate has gone way up on him. Everything else is kind of the same, but um, but he is getting hit hard when when the guys are able to put uh, bat on ball. Uh, Albies did homer early in this game. The offense, uh, while it wasn't necessarily dominant in this game, I mean, they did score six runs. They just kind of kept getting one here, two there. Uh, they got one in the ninth, but they needed two to tie it. And uh, the Pirates take this one seven to six. All right. So last night's game, Pirates, um, or sorry, in Pittsburgh, game two, the Braves win this one eight to six. And man, they just had to pull it out. And, and I, I give the offense a tremendous amount of credit. Uh, Trinos uh, pitched in this one and got absolutely hammered. He goes five innings. And you could tell the Braves were just trying to get some innings out of them because uh, the bullpen really has been leaned on so heavily in this stretch. Five innings, six earned runs, seven hits, two walks, five strikeouts. He allowed four home runs. Four home runs in five innings against the Pirates, which are not exactly, uh, you know, uh, a heavy home run hitting team. So Torino's, I mean, this start does make me question if he's going to get another start. Um, he, he was pretty good in the last one uh, against the Angels, but this one was not pretty at all. Uh, give the bullpen a lot of credit. They came in after those five innings and they held the line the whole way through, and, and that allowed the offense an opportunity to come back. Uh, the Braves entered the ninth down one run, but going against, again, David Bednar, who's one of the best closers in baseball, give Kevin Pillar a uh, huge credit. So two outs, uh, two runners on. I think it was first and third, two outs. Pilar comes up, and I wasn't feeling real good about it because, you know, Pilar typically is in the game only against lefties, and then you have Bednar here, a really good righty closer, and Pilar swung first pitch, didn't hit it super hard, but kind of a looping line drive over shortstop, got that tying run in, and then RC comes up, gets uh, a bit of a hanging slider. It wasn't the prettiest swing, but he got it down the line, and... um and the Braves won the game. They won by two. Uh, so, again, uh, the offense scores eight in this one to win it. 
and the bullpen does its thing. And right now, unfortunately, what you're feeling is the Braves are kind of, if they win, they're overcoming their starting rotation. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those stretches and it's, it's something certainly to not ignore. Uh, it is true right now that the primary weakness of the Braves in the second half of the season has been the starting rotation. That was not true in the first half. The Braves had one of the best starting rotation ERAs in baseball uh, in the first half, but one of the worst in baseball uh, since the second half started after the All-Star break. So I wanted to go through each starter other than um, uh, other than Freed, obviously, and just talk a little bit about each. So Spencer Strider. Strider actually has not been that bad in the second half before this start. You know, he had his his two really bad starts in the first half. Uh, but since the second half started, he'd been a lot better. Again, I got to see him in person against the Angels. He looked great. Struck out nine in that one. But he comes into this one, and it was like after the first several batters of the game, he lost his command. Uh, I don't know if something mechanically just got out of whack. But um, he had several batters in which he couldn't find the plate, which is really odd for him. Uh, usually his command issues are actually more in the zone uh, where he's just he'll just throw one right down the middle. Yeah, he's throwing at 98, but it's right down the middle. Um, but this one was just a combination of a loss of command and something that he's had an issue with all season, which is bad luck with balls in play. It's like when when teams are able to make contact against Strider, it seems to find a hole more often than not, or, you know, you get a lot of bloopers and that sort of thing. Um, and that happened. Uh, you had some hard hit balls, but you also had a couple of really soft hits as well. And they just piled up in that third inning and got him out of the game. Uh, what you see from Strider, again, what you mostly see is dominant stuff, but you do see the occasional hanging slider. And you'll see a fastball that he'll put, yeah, it's outer corner. I've talked about this a lot. It's outer corner, but it's belt high. And those are the pitches that, that major league hitters can, can deal with. They can get, get the bat on the ball, especially if they're sitting fastball, they're going to be able to hit that pitch. So, uh, you know, it's almost like sometimes he's almost too, too much in the zone um, and, and guys can get, the barrel to the ball, and then sometimes um, this is less of an issue, but it was an issue in the Pirates game. He was out of the zone a lot, and you know, three walks for, from Strider is is a lot as he tends to not struggle with walks too much. What I do like from Strider, I love his reaction out of the game uh, after the game. Excuse me, you know, he makes no excuses for himself. He is, I mean, if you watch the game, he was barking at himself. Maybe he's too hard on himself sometimes. But um, he's definitely not looking for excuses. He's going to take every loss like this and try to get better and try to analyze what went wrong. So um, that I appreciate. And I really, I'm not worried about Strider. I would rather these things happen throughout the season and him be locked down for the postseason. Now, it's not a guarantee he's going to be locked down, but um, I do think I'd rather it happen in early August. All right, Charlie Morton, let's talk about him for a little bit. You know, the the biggest concern I have for Morton is simply that he's 39, almost 40 years old, and you're in August, 
dog days of baseball, of the baseball season. And I do worry about his stamina a good bit. Is he going to be able to make it through? Is his recent loss of command and control random? Is it, you know, also a little bit of a, you know, him getting out of whack mechanically, or is this uh, a stamina issue um, with him, you know, pushing 40? Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but obviously he has had some real uh, control issues lately. And, you know, lots of walks, his last four starts go three walks, five walks, three walks, four walks. And that's not good for a guy who will give up the occasional home run as well. Honestly, the home run, home run has not been as big of an issue lately. It's just been, if you watch him, um, it's about 50-50 whether that fastball or curveball is going to find the zone or not. And it's going to be hard for him to find success when he's he's mostly a two-pitch pitcher. He needs both those pitches working. Um, and you can tell that he just doesn't have a lot of confidence, especially in the fastball. So he's got to get that, he's got to get that rolling. You know, Morton at his best can still go out and give you six or seven innings, you know, and give up one run or no runs at his best. But uh, he hasn't shown that a lot lately. All right, Bryce Elder. Uh, Elder is your poor man's Greg Maddox. And, you know, that is said with a lot of love to Bryce Elder. But he lives on the edge. You know, he is a control pitcher. Uh, he has a lot of movement with every one of his pitches. So if the movement is lesser than usual or he doesn't have the command uh, to to put a 90-mile-an-hour fastball where he's trying to put it, he's going to get hit hard. And so we've seen that happen. Uh, unfortunately, we've seen that happen a little more often lately than it was early in the season. He was so good early in the season, uh, but he has definitely had these bad starts Um occasionally and unfortunately a little more than occasionally lately when his command is good he's going to be really effective when his command is shaky it's probably going to be ugly and he's going to have a hard time getting out of innings you're going to have a lot of hard hit balls and that's what you got from him in this most recent start in chicago all right and then finally yanni chirinos uh, i'm just going to you know i'm not going to talk about him much i've mentioned chirinos he serves one purpose on this team and that's really to be an innings eater as a fifth starter for as long as he can. I think the Braves are just hoping that he is going to be effective. Um, but this was a really ugly start in Pittsburgh. And it does make me wonder if he's going to get another start. Maybe he gets one more just to see. Um, but, but it was ugly. And you start thinking about the Braves' other options. I mean, yes, they're all young down in AAA. But they actually have... Plenty of decent options that could probably do better than Yanni Chirinos. Uh, the obvious one is A.J. smith Shaver. He is 20 years old. Maybe the Braves just don't want to overextend him too much. I don't know the answer to that. Maybe we'll see him down the stretch. Um, maybe they're just kind of holding him off for a little bit longer to let him get as much uh, experience down at AAA as possible. But, you know, the Braves have three other pitchers down at AAA who are all pitching pretty well right now. Darius Vines, Jared Schuster, and Alan Winans uh, have all been pitching well. All of their most recent recent starts were really good. Um, Schuster pitched, I think, like six or seven shutout innings. Winans, six shutout innings is his most recent start. We've seen Schuster a little bit more. 
uh, Winans. We only saw the one time in Milwaukee, but he was, you know, he didn't go deep, but he was okay. Um, and um, okay would be better right now than, than what Yanni Torinos has shown. I mean, that's just the honest truth. So, um, all right, so let's go into, you know, I know a lot of Braves fans are, are wringing their hands a little bit that the Braves should have gone out and gotten a starter at the deadline. And it's not like the Braves ignored this need. Uh, there's a lot of reports out there that Alex Anthopoulos was looking to upgrade uh, a, for a starter, but was not willing to basically pay the high cost. And that likely high cost was A.J. smith Shaver. You know, and, and I tend to lean towards Anthopoulos on this one. I mean, yes, uh, a really a starter would have been awesome. But when I think about all of the starters who were out there and who got traded, um, there were very few elite starters out there. The only one that I would say would have been probably worth it was Justin Verlander. Um, but there's, there's issues with Verlander too, right? Number one is his age. Um, is he going to continue to be able to, in, in the late September and Octobers, um, be really effective? He's got two more years beyond this year on his contract with a lot of money. Um, and you don't take on that money in a vacuum, right? If you take on 20 plus million dollars of Verlander a year, that means you're probably not able to make moves elsewhere on your team. And then the other part of that is, would the Mets have even traded Verlander to the Braves? Uh, we don't know the answer to that, um, but it's hard for me to believe if they had other suitors that they would have sent him to the Braves within the division. Um, it's, I'm not saying there weren't other decent starters who would be better than a Yanni Chirinos, but um, Yanni Chirinos is not about the postseason. He's about um, hopefully putting in enough innings to you know, to lessen the load on your, uh, on your bullpen. So that being said, um, I, I would have loved a better starter for the Braves in the rotation, but I definitely lean towards what Anthopolis did here. Now, am I worried for the playoffs about the rotation? Because certainly, um, other than Freed, we have not seen a lot of great, starts um in the last week or so um i'm slightly worried i mean that that's how it's so i'm still at a wait and see you know we're in early august these are known to be you know this is the grind part of the season um uh, for every team uh and so we just have to see how the braves bounce back uh strider you know this is one bad start and a string of several good ones in a row um morton and elder i'm a little more concerned about um, you know, Morton, this could be his last year. I mean, if he doesn't bounce back and he has a bad stretch to end the season, yeah, I mean, it, that's not a great situation. Uh, Elder hasn't proven himself over the course of a full season. Um, so that's why I say slightly. But uh, I feel like one of these guys at least is going to right the ship and be your, your solid number three starter. Let's not forget we're not relying on him, uh, but Kyle Wright is also potentially back in September, and he might be able to give you something as well. Uh, the, the truth is we need three starters going well in October, and um, you feel good about Freed. Uh, as long as he stays healthy, he's Max Freed. Um, 
you feel pretty good about Strider, even though he's had an up and down season. I think he's probably had a frustrating season if you asked him. Um, he is um, always capable of dominance. Uh, so you just need one other guy to step up. And, um, and I think we have what we, what we need there. The starters just, they got to be honest with themselves. They know that they have to make adjustments. It has not been pretty. Um, but the other point that I would make is the Braves are not unique in having some starting pitching woes. Um, even all of the, the top teams, if you look down the list of, you know, your top seven or so teams, um, and power rankings, every one of them, um, has starting pitching issues. And I would argue that most of them are worse off than the Braves are in their starting staff. So, you know, the Braves played such a tremendous stretch of games going into the all-star break. And again, since the all-star break, it's been a little up and down. Um, the Braves in 22 games since the all-star break have a record of, a, of 11 and 11. Um, and yeah, it's been ugly in terms of the pitching staff. We've allowed 5.3 runs per game, which is, is pretty bad. Uh, but the offense has scored 6.1 runs a game. So, you know, that's when I say the offense is doing its part. I mean, it's definitely uh, pulling its weight. And I'm sure the pitchers are really feeling some of the pressure of, like, we need to start stepping up and, um, you know, carry the offense for a little bit. But, I, you know, so I mentioned these, these other top teams in baseball. And what I thought I'd do is just list off for you guys as a comparison – um, yeah, I think we tend to live in our bubble of the Braves and maybe their issues uh, with their starting staff right now. But just as a reminder of where these other teams are uh, in comparison, I think it's helpful to have that perspective. So let's start with the Dodgers. And just so you know where I'm going with this, I'm going to talk about the, the top three pitchers for the Dodgers, Orioles, Rays, Rangers, Astros, and Phillies. Those were the teams I I chose. I could have included a few others, but it starts getting murky, and we don't know a lot of the teams in the National League that are going to even make the playoffs. So those were the ones I chose. Um, you could dive deeper if you wanted to. So the top three pitchers for the Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw, uh, Urias, and Gonsolin. All right, so Kershaw is actually on the IL right now. Obviously, he's an older pitcher with, with a lot of um, mileage on that arm. Uh, he's probably coming off uh, the IL soon, but this was shoulder soreness. He, he's having a great season, 2.55 ERA. But, of course, Kershaw has had some issues in the playoffs. Let's not forget that. All right, but he's number one. Urias is their number two starter, having a down year with a 4.39 ERA. And then Gonsolin also having a down year with a 4.42 ERA. And if you recall, I'll just mention this. They also went out and got Lance Lynn at the trade deadline. Not exactly an ace uh, right now with a 6.11 ERA. Lynn is probably their fourth best starting option in a long series. So, you know, the Dodgers are probably the Braves' number one rival in the National League right now. And that is not a murderer's row of pitching, especially when you consider them going up against the Braves offense. Okay. All right. So the next several teams I'm going to talk about are in the American league. Uh, the Orioles, Kyle Bradish is their top starter with a 3.19 ERA. 
Uh, then their next two guys, Jack Flaherty, who they got from St. Louis with a 4.28, and Dean Creamer with a 4.61. Those are the top three starters for the Orioles. The top three starters for the Tampa Bay Rays. Tyler Glass now with a 3.15 ERA. Incredibly talented starting pitcher, but he's had a lot of little injury issues. Uh, I never know if he's going to be on the IL or not. He's actually on it right now, but he's coming off of it. Uh, you might have heard the news that McClanahan, their very talented lefty, is probably down for the year um, and maybe going for Tommy John, so he's out of the mix. Aaron Savali they got from Cleveland with a 2.55 ERA, and Zach Eflin is having his career year with a 3.34 ERA. So the Rays right now on paper with Glasnow, Savali, and Eflin probably have the best and I'm only doing ERA, and I do recognize that's limited, but I'm just I'm not trying to dive too, too deep. Uh, but those three, okay, yeah, those are obviously three very good starters for the Rays. Kind of keep that one in mind. The Rangers, uh, their top three starters, Nathan Evaldi with a 2.69 ERA. Um, he's actually also on the IL with a forearm issue. Uh, they're saying, I think he's trying to get back, but he's probably um, maybe a couple weeks away. Uh, Max Scherzer with a 3.88 ERA. Of course, we know that they got Scherzer from New York. And then Jordan Montgomery with a 3.40 ERA. So there's a lot to me up in the air. Again, with the Rangers, that looks good on paper, but you're you're hoping for, um, for health with Ivaldi being on the IL, with Scherzer being 39 years old. Um, all right, Astros. Uh, obviously, they got Verlander from New York. He has a 3.11 ERA this year. Uh, Framber Valdez with a 3.30. We know him well from the 2021 World Series. And then Hunter Brown is their number three starter with a 4.07 ERA. Astros have had a lot of injury issues with their starting staff, which is why Brown has moved into the number three spot for them. Uh, but again, you have issues. I mean, Verlander, 40 years old, is he going to hold up? Um, you know, Brown doesn't really scare you with a four ERA. Uh, he's not bad, but not, not spectacular. All right. The Phillies, this is the last team I'll talk about the Phillies, Zach Wheeler. Uh, obviously Braves fans know the Phillies well, but Zach Wheeler with a 3.74 ERA. Aaron Nola has really gone downhill a bit, um, with a 4.58 ERA. And then they got Michael Lorenzen from Detroit. Uh, at the trade deadline, he has a 3.48 ERA. They also have Tijuan Walker, um, who is around a 4 ERA, uh, just as a fourth starter. So the Phillies, I think, maybe have a little bit of a deeper staff than the Braves, but none of those guys are having their, their career best season. And in fact, you know, as you go back through that stuff, um, how many of those really good teams uh, where their top three are dominant? Uh, I don't think you see a team this year with a dominant pitching staff who could definitely shut down um, a, an offense as good as the Braves. Right, so looking at those pitching staffs, who's in a better position uh, from a starting standpoint than the Braves? I would say, you know, maybe the Rays, and if they stay healthy, maybe the Rangers are in a good position with their starters. But I still like Freed the best of any of those starters as, as a number one. Um, I think he's actually the best number one who who could be in 
um, the playoffs. And then Strider has the, the best ceiling probably of any number two uh, who can be dominant and at his best can shut down anybody at any time. Uh, remember that the Braves got bounced early last year, but why? It was because Freed was coming off the flu and Strider was coming off an oblique strain uh, and he was out for a month. So if those two come in healthy, confident, pitching well, yeah, I like the Braves better than any other team. Uh, which of the teams that I just mentioned, you know, okay, even if you say, well, I think their starting staff is better, which team of those has a better bullpen than the Braves? Well, this season, none of them do. Uh, Baltimore, Houston, and Philly have had pretty solid bullpens, but in terms of all the metrics, the Braves have the better bullpen. Here's the easiest question to answer. Whose offense is better? <laughs> none. The Braves have the best offense going uh, in baseball. And so, yeah, you know, the Braves, even if their pitching staff is struggling a bit, they're going to get be going into the playoffs with a tremendous offense that can beat any team. And uh, we got to feel good about that. By the way, there's a great read on MLB.com by Mike Petriello. Uh, he's talking about how historically good the Braves offense has been this year. I would um, really encourage you guys. It's a quick read. Go over there and see some t statistics that he's pulled together over the years of how good this Brave te Braves team has been so far. So ultimately, no, I'm not worried uh, with the Braves starting staff. Um, I'm slight, I have slight concern, but I specifically want to watch and see what happens with Morton and Elder, and hopefully at least one of those guys can bounce back in a big way over the next couple weeks. Um, the last week of games, has on, they've honestly been tough to watch, um, but this is still a great team, guys. Uh, I expect that they're going to be a little ticked off at how they've played and the fact that they've lost these games in the way they have, and I expect a major bounce back. I think last night, the comeback last night, um, and beating the Pirates, beating Bednar in the ninth was a big part of that. So don't forget how good this team can be. And, you know, that never say diet attitude, it extends to struggling through a few games and then coming back strong. So I'm hoping for, you know, more good things from the Braves. Hopefully they can win the last two games at Pittsburgh and, and move on from there and play the Mets and and just take it to them as well. The Mets have been struggling mightily. You can always think, guys, even when the Braves are going bad for a few games, just think we could be the Mets and, and all things feel better. So, all right, well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of State of the Braves, guys, and I will be back with you soon.